Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the GP Strategies Podcast. We're going to be talking about communications and management in today's environment. We all know how critically important communication is in a normal setting when we are engaging with our change management partners and with our clients to be effective as possible with our tactics. We want to, and we always have communication being in the forefront and it's always the catalyst to a successful implementation. So what we're going to discuss today is how challenging is the communications management process when the majority of your executives, your stakeholders, your project teams, even employees may be working remotely in this day and age. So we're going to talk about just how important that is. So that's the topic for today. And to enlighten us, I would like to welcome Cedric Brousseau to the podcast. Cedric is a change management consultant from GP Strategies and the Performance Readiness Solutions Department. So Cedric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Julian. It's great to be here. All righty. I was glad to have you on board. As we stated, let's talk a little bit about communications. Again, knowing how critical communication is, regardless of the scenario, how do you or how have you engaged in using your change management tactics and your communications in this remote working environment, especially with some of the technology deployments that are going on? So exactly how have you been able to adjust to this new normal? Yeah, I think First, with remote work, because employees are geographically dispersed, right? It's not just a, a percentage of the your workforce. Now it's almost your entire workforce. From a change in communication standpoint, you really have to be even more deliberate and intentional with your communication strategy. And still some of the, the foundational things still apply. So that's probably already something that you were doing, but I think you have to stress that even more. It has to be continuous. It can't just be one and done. And then I, I think employees really need, especially going through these challenging and, and difficult times, they really need to hear that encouragement and feedback. And because everyone's remote, technology really becomes uh, crucial and, and critical for any change change practitioner when they're developing their change and in, in communication plan. So really taking into consideration, how do I get not just email, but how do I leverage any type of networking platform that's available within the organization, any collaboration tool that's available, how do I get that into my communication plan? And really, all of the things that I just listed, I think, and I think you'll agree, it's really part of the, the change management methodology and approach. So no matter what time period we're in, that gives us like the framework and the tools that we need to navigate the change mm-hmm. process. And I think it's even more critical to adhere to that during this time period when everyone is is experiencing you know significant change and uncertainty at home and at work. Now, with that in mind, I think employees really still are asking themselves the same questions, right? Is the change necessary? Is the change going to solve my problems? Is it going to solve the organization's problems? What do I need to do differently? And then also, do I trust the leaders that are supporting this change and guiding us through this change? And if their answer is no to any of those questions, you're going to experience resistance. So really, the tactics and the technology are really to enable leaders to be more engaged and to lead people through that, that change process. 
And so from a GP strategy standpoint, I think our, our change methodology captures that. We start off with, with leadership engagement, right? Because that's one of the most important factors in determining the success of, of any deployment. And then really, mm-hmm. it's really focusing on some of the things that were true even before COVID and pandemics. We want to be preventative and proactive and responsive so that we can guide everyone through the change process. Okay, Cedric, what are some of the, the things that you might be doing or you're bringing to bear that either you rarely use in the past or you even never use as a result of this COVID environment? Yeah, for me, it's definitely about shifting time and resources towards interventions and technology that either we haven't used much before now or, or they're totally brand new. The things that come to mind is working with sponsors and leaders to adopt networking platforms like Yammer and getting them involved in on those platforms. And then also looking for ways to make virtual meetings uh, a little b- bit more interactive. So uh, incorporating tools like Scrumbler and uh, Mentimeter and Kahoot. And the big thing that I'm stressing with leaders is that they're no longer able to, to walk the halls and have informal conversations. So really using technology to, to build and have those not just formal but also informal communication. That's really key. The other thing that I've noticed is really using old technology, so like conferencing tools, but in a slightly different type of mode or, or method where a lot more leaders are, are turning to or are open to having more like coffee chats or fire chat type of sessions where they're able to talk directly to a small number of, of employees. And, and it also allows employees to ask questions directly to their leaders. So again, the idea is really to find ways to have people be more social and really find ways to replace activities that may have taken place at the office. So I think those are some of the things that that come to mind. Yeah, that makes perfectly good sense. If you think about the many times we would take advantage of a gathering area like the break rooms or hallways to place communication materials, collateral, it, it just gave us an extra uh, bit of mechanisms and capability to share information where today that's that just doesn't work because uh, the people are not there and we're not there. Right. I hear your, your point about that. I can imagine coffee pot uh, and water cooler conversations yielded a lot of beneficial knowledge sharing and information sharing back in the day. But in this environment, definitely it's more challenging. So some of the tools you mentioned resonate and make sense. So hopefully the listeners will We'll look those up and see if there, there are possibilities in their engagement with their clients. Yeah, and they're really about enhancing that experience. So not necessarily replacing exactly. a WebEx or a Teams, but really looking for ways to not just use polling questions or, or things like that or uh, whiteboards. And they just give a, a, another tool for you to use. Exactly. Uh, Makes sense. So expanding your toolbox, so to speak. Well, I want to talk about one particular mechanism that I, I find it critical to to navigating in this COVID environment when it comes to communicating and interacting. Let's talk about video. And the reason I'm prefacing it the way that I am, because there have been many conversations and many calls, many meetings that take place since we've been in this, this scenario that I've experienced where people will not turn on their video. And I know it may be early in the morning, people might not be caught, be cautious and conscious about what they look like. But the whole premise of having the video platforms is to make it more interactive. But 
let me get your thoughts. Is this, is video a, a pretty strong enabler if it's used as it should be, or is it really an invasion of, of of privacy and more of a burden when you're working from home? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it really depends on the situation. I, I do like video, and we use it currently with the the current client that I, I'm supporting because it does help you connect instead of seeing just a, a dot with your initials or a static picture. You get to see the other people's face, the people that you're meeting with. So I I do think that it helps build relationships and helps people connect. I do think that there are some things that you need to consider that we probably didn't consider before. Does does video need to to be used for the entire duration of a meeting? I I don't know if that's necessarily true. So if you're going to be hosting and sharing a presentation or something like that, and maybe it's having video during the icebreakers or things like that, but then allowing people to turn that off. Obviously, there's bandwidth concerns. So that's something else that we also need to consider. I think your point about invasion of privacy is something that I've thought about because especially the environment that we're in today, a lot of people didn't really get to choose if they were going to work from home. And even if they did, it's a little bit different than just a few months ago. So I work remotely. I've worked remotely for several years, but I def- definitely didn't have to. I had an empty house and empty office, whereas today I'm, I'm sharing space with my wife and then also my daughter. So I think those things have to be considered. If somebody doesn't want to share their video, it might be because they have to think about or they're sharing a space. If they worked from the office and now they're working from home, there's also that piece of logistics. They might not have had a dedicated office space or now it's become a shared office space. So making sure that we're considerate with those types of situations. But I definitely agree that having at least a little bit of that component early on really helps for people to connect. So even if it's for the first first few minutes, I definitely think that's a good thing. I, I think a lot of leaders and, and people that are hosting meetings can set that up as part of the agenda instead of they could be asking, hey, for the the first four or five minutes, we're going to ask you to turn on your video just so that we can say hi and, and, and socialize a little bit before we get into the content that we're going to go over today. So I think you can also set that up a little bit to give people time to to prepare and tear down those walls and those barriers. They realize that it's only going to be for the first four or five minutes. That's a little bit more uh, bearable than having to account for an hour's worth of time, so to speak. Yeah, I uh, definitely can relate to that. We've had some experiences with some of the clients that I've worked with where, to your point, we end up, if you're making kind of an unwritten rule that if you speak, you turn your video on. If you're not speaking, you turn it off. Again, that helps with the bandwidth and it doesn't require people to be in front of the camera and feel so exposed or having to have that people look at you the whole time during the meeting. So it does allow for some flexibility and just not so much interference or invasion, if we want to call it that. We we have options to do it in that manner. So I think a lot of creativity and a lot of flexibility is key when using video. But to your point earlier, I think it makes an excellent means of connecting to people when you're getting a chance to see their face, make virtual eye contact, if we can say that, just so you can make some type of connection during this time of virtual and remote working. Yeah, I, something you just said triggered a thought because I do think that there it is a powerful tool and that leaders can, a lot of times when employees engage with leaders, it's sometimes scripted or 
it's through video. And so I do think that using video can sometimes humanize a, a leader or a leadership team. And, and so when people see that your leadership is also at home, is also at their you know, kinship counter going through this event, that can also be powerful, right? And it can also allow people to connect a little bit more with not just their peers, but also realize that, oh, they're just like everyone else. They're going through this and experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing. So that can also form a little bit of a bonding experience. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This last point on this is that when you see that leader or, or someone in that capacity and, and they're dressed as if they're working from home and they're not in their button down or their uh, sport coat, then it just there may be an opportunity to connect in that fashion. The way you dress and how you uh, interact with people and, who, and how you see them is all a part of this new way of being. As we evolve to a level of interaction that's necessary, especially on our projects. Now, the one thing to consider is, I, I and I hope our listeners will find this beneficial, is I consider the client and what their environment is like. So I will find out ahead of time, do you guys, how do you guys dress if you're using video? as if you're working from home. So you can still follow that same mode of, of protocol when working with uh, certain clients just by asking that simple question is what are the standards for what you might wear when you're on a video call. So there's just a little nugget for our listeners to to take away and to use if, if they find it necessary. All right. When we, I mentioned earlier, when we're on site, we have the opportunity to have informal communications and have uh, mechanisms, collateral, other opportunities to engage with our, our, our stakeholders, with executives, with uh, end users, with people that are impacted by the change. Some of our clients have uh, TVs that broadcast internal messaging, scroll bars that can be used. So when people walk by, they can get little nuggets of information and even posters in lunchrooms and in hallways. Given that we don't have that opportunity today, what are some of the things you, 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 we could do virtually to replicate or, or make it more effective to have those levels of communication? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, and, and we've mentioned it before. You need to, I think, change practitioners and leaders need, need to think and plan and, and, and incorporate in their communication plan just activities that are going to replace things that were going to happen in, or, or could have happened in the office. I think some of the things that I've seen are using... So it's less TV broadcasts and using recordings that are done just even on a phone and broadcasting those items through a, a YouTube type of platform. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've seen is being more creative with, with an internal website banners and SharePoint site banners. And then some of the other items have been even through email. So using an email signature and crafting that so it's pointing people to support materials or it'll say, hey, if you have questions about the SAP implementation, feel free to contact me. So it's really finding ways to use email signatures in, in a slightly different way instead of just broadcasting your contact information. You're really asking folks questions. And so those are some of the little things that I've seen used to replace some of the tools that we would have used in a physical location, for example. Yeah, it sounds like that level of creativity we bring to uh, an engagement with the client, pretty much why they bring us on board, because we have that knack, that capability that we we should deploy those things as we we work in this environment. Just be as creative 
as possible to drive interaction and take advantage of uh, the tech, the technology and the tools and the platforms that we have just to be more effective and, and create some of those in, those environments that would normally exist if we were in an office. Okay. We know that communication is, is always the key to any change initiative being successful. Is it fair to say that effective communication is even more crucial with the executives and our project team, with the employees and other stakeholders while working remotely? Uh, we may have touched on that, but let's dive a little bit deeper. Would you say it's more critical or more crucial in this uh, virtual environment? Yeah, I, I think it is. We talked a little bit earlier about leadership being deliberate and intentional with their time and the, their approach to, to communication. I think it's also true of other stakeholders, right? Project teams, employees, and everyone else. A lot of the communication that we would have done informally, just walking over to someone's office or cube or desk, that's been eliminated. A lot of it is, has been either using you know, some chat features that are available but also setting up actual meetings. So it's really applying almost like a, a formal aspect to different pieces that may have been informal in the past. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that effective communication is key because now it's not just, you're not just scheduling time for, for meetings, but you're also, you may also be scheduling time just to have a 15 minute touch point with somebody something that you might have done over lunch or just walking over to their desk to get an update. That's now been a little bit, that now requires a little bit more formality to it. So I do think that you know, effective communication is, is key for both leadership and then also for all the other stakeholders because they're in this similar situation. And the other piece is they're also, everyone's also managing external pieces to that as well. I for myself, it's managing a, a seven-year-old in between meetings and making sure that she's she's logged on to the remote learning that she needs to be on. So there's that piece as well. Uh, now I'm not just setting aside time for meetings and touch points, but it's also making sure that I've got a, a 10 to 15-minute window at 8.45 in the morning to make sure that you know, my daughter's logged on to her first Zoom session. So yeah, it definitely requires a little bit, a lot more from everyone, right? Not just executives and leaders, but project teams and employees and, and, and everyone else. Yeah, that's that's so right. I can recall being on conference calls before and a, a dog would bark or someone would come into the room and, and you would quickly mute the, mute the call and say, I'm on a call, I'm on a call. And now if you don't hear dog barking or if you're not being interrupted, it's almost like that's the unusual scenario because people have become accustomed to working from home and all your environment becomes, to your point, becomes a part of your day-to-day life. So things Mm -hmm. that would typically annoy certain people becomes the the norm. You just incorporate that as as, as part of our, our, our way of being at this point in time. So those are excellent points. All right. The, the last question I have for you, I'm going to ask you to, to drop some nuggets of information for us, knowledge for us and for our listeners. What are the top two to three pieces of advice that you would want to give to any change practitioners or non-change practitioners that might be listening to this podcast on how to be effective with their adoption strategies during this, this COVID time that we're in? Yeah, for me, I think the first thing is really trusting the process, trusting your change methodology. Because COVID has introduced a, a level of uncertainty that none of us have experienced before. But really, a 
good change methodology provides you with the framework and the tools to get you through and your organizations through change, right? So there's, it's definitely a significant change, but really trusting in in your methodology and your process is really going to go a long way. And it begins with whether it's COVID, pre-COVID or or in the future, it's going to begin with engaged sponsors. Mm -hmm. And then, and then from there, you create a plan that's preventative, proactive, and and then all, also allows you to respond to emerging issues that come up. So I think that's the first piece is really trusting your methodology because it'll it won't solve everything, um, but it it will give you the framework and the tools necessary to approach any type of change that is thrown at you. I think the second thing, and my client just talked about it on on one of their calls today, is really. There's sponsorship and leadership engagement, but it's also stressing with sponsors and leaders that empathy is is really critical during this time period. Organizations are always changing, and we introduce change all the time, and that's expected. You go to work, there's a new system being implemented. I think one of the things that we really need to stress with sponsors and leaders is that there's also significant change and uncertainty happening at everyone's home. And so keeping that in mind and really having leaders and sponsors be explicit in their support of their employees and committing to open and honest communication and feedback, because there's just a lot of things that are going on that, that are just overwhelming. We, I think we talk a lot about change fatigue sometimes, but we talk about that in the context of the work environment. And here, it's also being introduced or it's very visible outside the work environment, right? People are not only concerned about their work and security, job security, but they're also worried about maybe case numbers or family or other things that are happening in the environment. So I think that those are the two things, really trusting the process and your change methodology, and then also making sure that you empathy from sponsors and leaders so that they recognize that it's not just significant change happening in the workplace, but also there's significant change happening at the individual level outside the workplace. Absolutely. I had not thought about that last point you just made regarding this being a significant change that people are experiencing and leaders having the empathy to understand that even though a new technology might be rolled out, new business processes might be forthcoming, the real change or, or just as important is the change that an individual might be experiencing from having to work from home who may not have the infrastructure that some of us have. Like you said, co-officing with spouses or just not having a, a nice, quiet place and, and wanting to be productive, but nonetheless still experiencing things that they wouldn't experience if they were in an office environment. So that within itself is a huge amount of change that people are going through that requires a transition. It requires executives, leaders to understand and, and be empathetic. So that's profound that you brought that out. And, and hopefully the listeners can make the connection from how different things are today versus how they were yesterday, that change is never ending and it happens at all levels and we endure, but there's adjustments we have to make in order to be successful at any element of change. So this is one faction of that. So I appreciate you bringing that to the table. Great discussion. All right. This will end our podcast for today. Cedric, I would like to thank you 
for bringing such knowledgeable information and sharing your experiences with us today. And I look forward to doing this again in the not too distant future. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me, Julian. It was a great experience. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.